Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Chiefs Kingdom, welcome to this special episode of Outside the Trenches, and we have got a good one for you today because we are joined by the example, is what I'm going to say, of NFL media and the right way to do things, and that is the legend Peter King. Peter, I appreciate you for making some time with us on this Friday afternoon to talk a little Andy Reid, little Chiefs, and and what's going on right now. Appreciate it. Great, BJ. Thanks a lot. Uh, Yeah, it's been a fascinating year so far, a year I didn't expect. Yeah, I, I when I shot you that text, I just wanted to to pick your brain about expectations because for someone for I grew up a Chiefs fan. I, I only know you know Andy Reid from the behind the scenes when I was with the team, kind of how he operates. So I don't have a lot of information to pull from other situations where you have teams that have the expectations that the Chiefs did going into the season, where some people I don't want to put those words, but some people thought there was a chance they could go undefeated and they had that kind of team. And six weeks later, those expectations have completely changed. So for you, just what's been your perspective on what you've seen from the Chiefs and the position they're in right now compared to what a lot of us thought even, you know, six, seven weeks ago? I think the the thing that <clears throat> the thing that I would say if, if the right word would be bothers me um, about this season for this team is that uh, so much of it to me uh, kind of comes out of left field. And look, a long time ago, I covered the, uh, the New York giants and Bill Parcells used to say in football, you always get what you deserve. And so, you know, I think about that when I think about the chiefs, And no one is granted greatness forever. Just because you've got Patrick Mahomes and you've got Andy Reid, it doesn't mean that you're going to be great forever. And so I think as I look at right now, as I look at this team, there's probably three things that really stick out to me. One is that, I mean, if you think about the one trait that the Chiefs have had uh, over the last couple of years. Um, that is, they really take good care of the football. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I know that, that Andy, from what I've, I've heard, and I've not talked to him about it, uh, from what I've heard, he's been really harping on, hey, the difference here is the turnovers. And to a large degree, the difference here is the turnovers. It's a big, big factor. Patrick Mahomes has thrown six interceptions. He threw 11 total in 2019 and 2020 combined. So uh, obviously the the turnovers, the interceptions are, you know, because they've also lost five fumbles is that's a big deal compared to past years, but it's not the only deal. And I think the second thing that would bother me is the fact that, you know, 
the Chiefs have never been the best defense in football, but they've not been embarrassing. And this year, they're embarrassing. And, you know, when you play five games and you give up on average, whatever it is, 32, 33 points a game, there are some inherent big problems. And, you know, to me, uh, the biggest problem is that, you know, the secondary has really shown a lot of holes. Um, secondary has shown a lack of discipline. Uh, and, and obviously, they've gotten picked on tremendously. So, I mean, those, those two things would bother me. But the third thing is, and look, I have praised uh, a lot um, the player procurement part of what Kansas City has done in the last few years. But now, when I look back, now that you see that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a good NFL running back, but, you know, when he got drafted, this was the guy who was going to be better than Brian Westbrook. He's not. And I think whether it be um, maybe uh, Brett Veach and Andy Reid uh, overrated Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the pre-draft process. I mean, he's a good back. He's a good mm-hmm. NFL back, but he's not Alvin Kamara. And right. you know, he hasn't been the guy who I think he was drafted to be. And the only reason I bring him up is that at the end of the first round, when the Chiefs picked in 2020, at the end of round one, on the board at that time, was Antoine Winfield Jr., a player who so far has been the best safety in the draft. Mm -hmm. And also on the board at that time was Trevon Diggs, a player who so far is the best corner in that draft. So those are both positions right now of major need uh, for, for Kansas City. And so I think this is, there's, there's a, there's been an issue on offense there's yeah. been an issue on defense, and there's been an issue in player procurement, as you look at it right now, with some uh, perspective. Yeah, I think there's been a lot of talk locally about the decision to bring in Clyde Edwards-Elair, and in similar ways, the conversation is, you know, boxing in kind of Clyde Edwards-Elair and Nick Bolton in the same kind of manner, in that they weren't necessarily explosive athletes at their spot. Now, Willie Gay was an explosive athlete. Obviously there's explosive athletes, but Clyde Edwards-Hilaire isn't going to have a 70 yard touchdown run at the NFL level. Cause he doesn't have that long speed to run away from a guy. And I think that was where the, a lot of the criticism locally has been with Clyde. And I was, I was a Jonathan Taylor fan coming out. There was a yeah. connection with Jonathan Taylor. I think his, his father had played uh, for the same coach. Andy. Reed. There was a connect. There's a family connection with Andy Reed that I had found. And I thought that, that would be the reason that they would take him. When they took Clyde, I thought there'd be more on the passing game. Uh, just the way that they utilize them, the the short area quickness, the lateral agility. I thought if you can make the first guy miss, Coach Reed can get him in space. Uh, we haven't really seen that. But to your point on the defensive side, it it's hard for someone that that knows the guy's person. I'm getting into your space, but it's hard for me to be overly critical of Daniel Sorensen, even though we all know that he's struggling right now. But the right. conversations now don't become about you know, he's not doing well now, but we still respect his overall, you know, framework of work. This fake, 
his tackle on the fake punt against Houston in that game. We don't win the Super Bowl, I don't think, without that play. So right. I will never lose sight of that. But it's really strange to watch a veteran, especially a guy that is the you know does everything the right way. He stays late. He watches film. Like that is Daniel Soren. That has been him since the day he stepped foot in the building. And for a guy with the same defensive coordinator to almost look like in some ways he doesn't know what he's doing out on the field with some of the blown coverages. Yeah. I've talked to so many former players. I'm just like, what's happening? And they all say the same thing that you just did. And that it's just weird that it's yeah. Spagnolo, It's guys who have been in the system. And all of a sudden it looks like it's a bunch of young guys who don't know what they're doing. You know, two, three years into the same system. It's just the whole thing on the defensive side of the ball is just strange. I don't know if it's margin of error, just kind of slapping us in the face or if there is something deeper to expectations, kind of buying into your own hype, a lot of those things that you just kind of go to when things like this happen. And we're all trying to figure it out. And I was hoping that you had all the answers. You know, <laughs> you it's not, here's the happening. thing, BJ, here's the thing. It's not unfixable. It's not, no. it's not, uh, it, you know, it's not, it, 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 it isn't something that, well, the season's over. I mean, whenever anything happens like this, you know, you're a fool if you don't learn from what you are experiencing. And right now, in my opinion, that's what you have to hope is happening. That I thought it was really, really interesting at the time of the 2020 draft that um, I think the Chiefs had Henry Ruggs slipped a little bit more they were going to move aggressively and try to get Henry Rose. And, and it's a cute story and it's a fun story. And I don't necessarily think it would be a horrible decision, but at some point you say, okay, yes, I want Henry Ruggs. Yes. I want all these guys. Well, I want Jerry Rice and Joe Montana and, and, you know, and, and Kellen Winslow, I, you know, of course I want all these people, yep. but you've got to, you've got to also play defense and, you know, it's possible, possible that, uh, that, you know, the chiefs bought into the fact that, you know, we think that we will be able to take a bunch of disparate parts on defense and Steve Spagnuolo, who's done this his whole career is going to be able to mold them Mm -hmm. into a unit that is really going to, uh, it's really going to, you know, become the kind of unit that it was, let's just say, for example, that uh, the Giants had at the end of the uh, 2007 season when they beat the Patriots and stopped the Patriots from finishing the season undefeated. And so you can always look at things like that and say that, you know, we're going to be able to get players like in that, and I'll, this is going to be showing my age because it's 14 years ago. We're going to get like Kawika Mitchell and, uh, you know, and, and, and those kind of players who are just kind of middle of the road NFL players. And we're going to be able to make them pl- get them to play a role. And when they do that and everybody works in concert, we're going to beat Tom Brady. And, and, and so I'm always careful in week six or week seven of the season to say that, well, this is what you are. Your season's over. I will be shocked if the Kansas City Chiefs over the next five games allow 32 points a game. I will just be shocked. 
because the coaches have been there before. There's a lot of veteran players who have been there before. There are good young players. Legereus Sneed is going to play well. Yeah. And, and so that's why, in my opinion, I do not focus on the all hope is lost. Now, if they go to Washington and lay an egg in Washington and lose that game, I might change my mind, but I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I think going up, and this is not a knock, and we're 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 going to say these things, and in you know four days they're going to be on you know freezing cold takes saying that you know, Taylor, <laughs> Taylor Heineke is not Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield and Justin Herbert. I mean, these are the the offenses that the Chiefs have fa- they faced five of the top eight nine offenses in yeah. the league. I don't have those numbers in front of me, but I'm talking about some of the num- teams that you know you have to put up points against. This is not that game. And so we've talked about it on pregame. Plus, as we sit here doing. right now, it doesn't look like Terry McLaurin's going to play. So if he doesn't play, that is a gigantic plus for Kansas City. I know. You know how I know I'm a Chiefs fan? It's Part of me is like, I'm excited because he's a good player. That That's good for us. But I'm also scared because then the backup's going to get an opportunity to go up and put 120 yards against us, and we don't need a show. But Terry McLaurin's backup can still put up 120 yards on the Chiefs defense. That's what I don't yeah. want to see. But I don't, what I don't want to see, and we talked about this locally, is that most people think we're going to win, you know, the game. Even the, the most, you know, anti-Chiefs fan right now still thinks that they're going to beat Washington. I just don't want to see a 35-31 nail-biter uh, going no, up against no. Taylor. It's, I don't think it's going to happen. You've got to you, – the Chiefs this weekend have to show signs that the defense can make progress and the defense can play competitively. And you're absolutely right. It's, it's a little bit unfair when it comes right down to it. It's really a little bit unfair if you look at, um, you know, the offenses that they've played. And with the exception of Philadelphia, which I have no idea what to make out of Philadelphia. I, I mean, they got a quarterback who overthrows everybody, and yet they're at the end of the game against Tom Brady and had a chance to win that game. So I, I it's it's hard to tell. But – Cleveland has weapons. Baltimore has weapons and a, an absolutely ex- explosive quarterback. The the Chargers might be the most fun team to watch. Did anybody think after one month of the season, we'd be saying the Chargers are more entertaining offense to watch than Kansas City? I mean, that has been one of the huge surprises of the early season. But and obviously the Bills are they're out of control. They're yeah. it's almost like when I watch the Bills now, I say, man, they're the best team in football, blah, 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 blah. But you know, be careful about peaking on October 10th. You know, that's yeah, you just you, you gotta be you gotta be a little bit careful when you uh when your team looks so incredible at this point, uh, to see whether they can keep that up the whole year. Yeah, it it's hard as a cheat a diehard Chiefs fan to to not root for Brendan Staley. Like all the stuff coming out about him, it's hard not to root for that guy as a head coach and that Justin Herbert and the way that he's kind of taking the ranch. It's just a fun team. It, it yeah. hurts me to say that. Uh, but it's also gonna be fun because you know that's gonna be a for years to come, that's gonna be a rivalry and it's gonna be a thing now with Mahomes and and Justin Herbert and looking forward to that. I do want to ask you about Mahomes uh, and just what you've seen, because 
the other part of this conversation locally is at what point do you stop criticizing the offense or holding them to this don't turn the ball over standard because they're also, you know, they're human and they're standing on the sideline thinking, do we have to put up 35 points to go out and win a game when all we're trying to do is ask the offense, just get three stops in the game, like just get three stops. And we feel like we have a good chance. At what point do you stop blaming Mahomes for some of the trying to do too much? Cause they feel like they got to put up 40 points. And up until this point, they've been proven right that they're giving up 32 points a game. One of the things that I just looked at a bunch of Mahomes things this week, because the bright shiny object is six interceptions this year, which is already as many or more than he's thrown the, the previous two years. And so, you, you know, you're, you're concerned about that, obviously. Okay. But the other thing I've looked at, um, you know, most people in the NFL who examine players, you know, if they're going to look at a stat that isn't, you know, whatever rating or, or, um, you know, completion percentage or whatever, everybody looks at yards per attempt. Uh, because that shows how prolific you're being, how productive you're being, throwing the ball downfield. And, uh, you know, Mahomes has always been a guy who prides himself on throwing the ball downfield. And look, we're only five games into it. But Mahomes was 8.33 yards per attempt two years ago. He was 8.06 last year. And he's 7.64 right now. And if if individually, those numbers, they really shouldn't mean a tremendous amount. Okay. But because he's still very accurate. Mm -hmm. But I do think if I were to, uh, if I were to criticize him for something, you know, like I had him as one of my goats of the week in the game against the Chargers. Because he should know better than to force that throw that was an interception late in the game, mm-hmm. you know, against the Chargers. That was a huge play in that game. And so I do think that when a guy like Mahomes has been intercepted five times in the last three games, there has been an element of forcing the ball. And is that because that he knows that he's got to put up 35 points a game to have a chance? You'd have to ask him. He'd never admit it. Right. right. He yeah. might admit it. He might talk to Andy Reid or, you know, or, or the guys on the offensive staff and admit it. He might admit it to Eric B. Enemy. I don't know. But right. he's not going to admit it publicly. He's not even going to hint at it publicly. Yep. But it's, it's something that you have to think is possible based on what we've seen in him uh, in recent weeks. We've joked, and I've, I've joked with Bobby Stroop, you know, his longtime, you know, uh, trainer going back to high school, of just how many times do you think people in Patrick Mahomes' life have told him after a football game, like, why did he try to make that throw? Like, there's also that aspect of what yeah. we're seeing from him. He's done during his career. It just didn't lead to the negative play. And so it's always been like the left-handed throw against Denver, like all these crazy plays. A couple more of those turn into turnovers early in his career. Maybe we're not talking about him in the same way or those plays yeah. in the same way. 
And now you're just getting the other side of it. And I agree with you. I'm not saying I condone it. I just laugh of throughout Texas Tech, White House. It didn't matter where he was at. He's been trying these plays his entire career. It's not over trying right now just because the defense isn't good. I think it's just wired to go and to put up as many points and have that internal pressure. But to your point, none of the guys are ever going to say that. They're never going to say anything about having to put up points because this reason or that reason, they're too aware of what those comments would do and they're not going to help anything. Uh, so yes, I, the other thing I want to ask you about, uh, is Andy Reed and not to, I know you haven't talked to him and not that kind of thing, but you've been around him so much. And when people ask me, and I, I put this out on social, just about, you know, angry fans versus, you know, everybody's trying to come to grips with what's happening this season is either you believe, and this is from the fans point of view. Either you believe the Chiefs have the pieces in that locker room, the coaching staff, the players, to turn this around and figure it out, which I think most people do. Or you just sit back and say, I told you so every week. Like You sit back and like, I told you this defense wasn't good enough, and I told you this, I told you that. Somebody who's been around Coach Reed, what would you say to fans who are wondering if they've got the processes in place or the not like the stuff that thinks obvious, but – what can you tell Chiefs fans to feel better about knowing that Andy Reid is the one who's in charge of, of trying to clean this up and, and get past, you know, this historically bad start to a defense? Well, I think at the beginning of this year, Andy knew, but wasn't saying that if they were going to start the entire right side from center out on the offensive line who'd never played a snap in the NFL before. If that was going to be what was going to happen, there were going to be some lean times and you were going to be starting a left tackle who hadn't been a left tackle in the NFL. So I remember the two days I was at camp in early August. I, I just was so impressed with the strength of Trey Smith. And honestly, I just figured that they were going to, they were going to have it figured out on the offensive line and it would be smoother than it has been. But the Buffalo game sort of woke me up in, in that way, because Buffalo, you know, particularly Gregory Rousseau, a little bit with AJ Epinesa, but Buffalo probably bothered Mahomes more in that game than they did in either of the games last year. And that would be a sign to me that uh, you can't fall behind in your pass protection. When you have a quarterback like Mahomes, you can't rely on him to be a magician every time. So that's, and I use that as a preface by saying, I do think Andy Reid believed there would probably be some lean times in that offense. Okay. That's number one. Number two, one of the reasons why, and again, I, you know, it hasn't played out. So we just don't know. But one of the reasons why I feel like Reid will have an answer to the issues is because he just always has. Now, he has it when he was in Philadelphia, 
He didn't have an answer to drive him deep into the playoffs every time, obviously, because they didn't go deep in the playoffs every year. But I always think this, BJ, that if you're a fan of a team, you know what you want? You want to be absolutely sure that every year in the middle of the summer, when you start seeing stories in the paper or online, or you start hearing on talk shows, hey, Chiefs are reporting to training camp next week. You know, I said this to somebody late in Reed's career when it was clear he wasn't going to survive and they were going to make a change. I said, you know, how many weeks in a row, probably until this last season, or how many years in a row, until this last season, did a Philadelphia Eagles fan enter training camp thinking, you know, we've got a chance that if if we play well this year, we got a chance to go deep in the playoffs. I mean, an Eagles fan could say that every year. And if you're in Philadelphia, for the most part, you haven't been able to say that about the 76ers. You haven't been able to say that about the Phillies. <laughs> and so, and I, I just use that as sort of, a comparative example to be able to say, essentially, if you, if you think about this, and this is a weird kind of juxtaposition, but if you think about this, um, you know, Andy Reed figured it out in Philadelphia every year with a lesser quarterback and a significantly lesser quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. I just have a pretty strong feeling that, this is a lot more. This month is a blip on the radar rather than, uh, you know, an omen for the future. Yeah, I, I'm glad that you said that. I mean, it's nice to get an outsider's perspective and not that you're a complete outsider, obviously insider NFL guy, but somebody that isn't a fan of the team the way that I am, the way that all of us are watching this team out there. And it's really easy for me just to step back and be like, trust, we got coach. Like he's not, not going to be prepared. Like the team is going to be prepared. They're going to be focused with Tyron Matthew Mahomes, those guys in that locker room, like they've got the pieces they need to figure it out. And to your point, 2015, six years ago, they start one in five, lose Jamal Charles. So it's Kendrick West and Spencer Ware and these guys that nobody knew at that time stepped up and they rattled off 10 straight wins and ended up winning the first playoff game in the, 20 years uh, in franchise history and they didn't have Patrick Mahomes. So I think most fans know this is just kind of those growing pains and maybe they're not going to have that top 15 defense even, but these guys can make enough plays to hold teams under 30 points. And as long as the offense doesn't turn it over to your point, they're going to be fine because this offense has not been efficient. They have not played well and they still are a top three scoring offense. That, that, that's just the right. where the chiefs are at right now. And 2011, 2012 wasn't that long ago that we were just clamoring for relevance to your like right. go to camp. Like we just want to know that we have a chance. We're camping like, I wonder what kind of season Jamal's gonna have. And that's what we're gonna watch this year because overall you didn't have a chance to go win consistently. You know you were going to the playoffs or anything. That's like what that, I so. think. I think I think one of the hardest things to do as a football fan. Um really one of the hardest things to do, and look, I'm gonna compare this to uh, the only team that I really root for in sports. Um, And that's the Boston Red Sox. And, you know, when I was a kid, my father, 
uh, was a big Ted Williams fan. And so when I grew up, you know, the mood in our house was dictated by how the Red Sox were doing. It just was. And, and, so, and I know, uh, and look, baseball has really declined in the last few years, the last probably couple of decades, but still I'm 64 years old. It's still the thing that, I mean, I get tremendous amount of pleasure when they do the unexpected like this year and make the ALCS. I had no, uh, you know, expectation of this whatsoever. But the point I'm going to make is that, you know, when you love a team and you really are expecting incredibly great things of the team and what would have been satisfactory even, not even exciting, but satisfactory, probably 13 and four or better. If you're yeah. anything less than 13 and four this year, fans would have said, oh my God, what's wrong with us? Whereas there's a certain joy to thinking at the start of a season, eh, we're not going to be that good. And then you go out and you're just laying waste to people. Like if you're a Chargers fan right now, I mean, you got, and there aren't many of them, but if you're a Chargers fan right now, you got to be pretty excited about what's going on. Whereas if you're a Chiefs fan, to be two and three is like, oh my God, the sky is falling. Well, welcome to the rest of the world. Imagine <laughs> yeah. all these people I know in New York, because I've lived here for a while, you know, all these people I know are walking around with their face dragging on the ground because the Jets and the Giants are the two, two of the worst teams in football, you know? And so <laughs> perspective is a great thing to have sometimes when you realize you wake up in the morning and you realize, you know what? Even if the sky falls this year, we're going to wake up on March 1st and start to get ready for an off season. And we got a quarterback that everybody in football would want. And so, you know, I hate to say always look on the bright side, but you got to look on the bright side in life. There have been a lot of the wet blanket. I am absolutely one of those people. And I don't know if it took the joy away from it for me by just having that perspective of being like, they'll be fine. Like they lose yeah. a game and I don't get super upset. It's, it's one game. And then you say that for like four weeks and it's like, okay, the defense isn't good, but guess what? They're still good enough to get three stops. They'll be better in December than they are right now, which is all that stay healthy. And they will be in it at the end. And as long as they are clicking enough to get three stops against good teams in the playoffs, They'll be right where they need to be. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing that I just have that like, oh, it's fine. Like, I'll just brush off. Yeah, okay, they're not, you know, the top five defense, not shutting people out, but they have enough of what they need. And uh, now there's doubts. Now they're we've seen them play at a level that many defenses in NFL history have not played as poorly as the Chiefs right. have through five. Yeah. They're averaging 7.8 yards per play given up on first down. That's, that's just like, stunning. It really you is. Can't, I think they faced only 52 third downs all see the fewest in the league because you're giving up almost eight yards of play on first down. Like you're not going to have success doing yeah. that, no matter what you do. Hey, look, you know, it, it isn't only perspective, but it's also realizing that, you know, look, the Los Angeles chargers drafted a quarterback who, you know, let's say for the next 10 years, there's going to be 
20 great, not good, but great duels between Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. And you know what? I don't know who is going to be quarterbacking Denver opening day next year, but I don't think it's going to be Teddy Bridgewater, and I don't think it's going to be Drew Locke. Might be. Who knows? We'll see. But they're going to devote a lot of energy uh, to try to get either a veteran quarterback you know, or take another shot at a highly drafted rookie. And then Derek Carr, who is not a top five quarterback, but he's a top 12, 13 quarterback. Um, And in the chaos that right now is the Las Vegas Raiders, they'll come out of that and they're going to be good for a while. My, My only point is that teams don't stay the same forever. This is not the AFC East. Okay. There's actually some competent people who build teams in the AFC West. Okay. So just understand that what's happening is an absolutely natural outgrowth of every year. The NFL tries to get the Jacksonville Jaguars to be nine and eight or eight and nine. And it's become an impossible task, but they still try it. So the deck is stacked against the Kansas City Chiefs being great forever. And that's what they have to keep fighting. Yeah. Uh, one last question before we wrap up. And we do appreciate your time. And we appreciate our sponsor in Jack Stack Barbecue. Uh, but in the- I want to tell okay. you, I appreciate Jack Stack Barbecue. <laughs> that's all I can say. Anyway, I wanted to bring <laughs> this up because obviously you're national. You're based up in New York and you, you travel around all the different leagues. But I think anybody who follows you or knows anything about you, you have a soft spot in your heart for Kansas City and oh, for Coughlin Stadium and the City. Royals. And I, I know that if you Kansas were City, you know what is you know what's one of my favorite things in the world to do? I go to Boulevard Brewery. Well, yes, <laughs> yes, but but anyway, here's one of my favorite things in the world to do is to get on my training camp schedule and figure out a way that I could bleed my trip to be just about 10 hours longer. So I go to a Royals game and I sit there keeping score at the game and having three Boulevard wheats. I mean, is there a better day in America than doing that? I don't know of one. Mm -hmm. It's friggin' fantastic. So yes, I do like it when the chiefs are good because then I get to go to Kansas city and hang around the plaza a little bit and, and uh, just have a good time. All right, Peter, before we let go, we do appreciate your time. Can you give one last message to chiefs fans that are wanting to know how to feel right now? And they're willing to take advice from anybody out there and a guy who's (laughs) spent so much time around this game that you can speak with a level of knowledge that others don't have. Okay. Why it's going to be, it's, this is a therapy session for chiefs. Well, this is the, this is what I would say to them. You know, when you uh, listen to this pod, you're going to lay your head on the pillow the night before the, uh, you know, you play Washington, a game, everybody thinks you're going to win, but regardless of that, you're going to lay your head on the pillow and just understand that there are, I don't know, pick a number 28, I'd say it was 28, at least 28 fan bases in the National Football League who would trade places with you right now. I don't care if you're two and three. I don't care if Washington puts up 40 on Sunday. 
what I am saying is that what happens in the last three years does not vanish because you've had a horse crap month. And so I would just say, just relax, do an Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X. Things are going to get better. Peter King, thank you so much for your time and for joining us here on this podcast. Do you have any before you like, do you have any cool projects coming up? You're always working on something. Anything you want to plug that you've got coming up that that people should uh, look out for? Oh, not not really. I not that you need this platform to do it. You but. know, I'm no, I'm. Uh, I mean, it used to be that I would have a bunch of things that I'm working on, but now um, I'm not saying that. I'm on the 17th green or anything, <laughs> but, um, I don't, I, I right now seriously try to take two, two and a half days off every week, um, in which I watch the great British baking show or, um, you know, some baseball playoff game on TV. And if the phone rings, I don't answer it. So now I, I probably had, I had a lot more interesting projects in the old days, but, uh, anyway, thanks for asking. I was gonna say, I want to talk about the great British baking show. Next time you come on, we'll just do a whole podcast on that. I love that show. I All love right. that show. Peter King. Thank you so much for joining us. Chiefs fans. We'll be back with you after the game. Don't forget post game show live from the bullpen bar and grill at Overland park. Myself, Tucker Franklin, Kent Swanson will be out there. We will see you after the game, hopefully breaking down a decisive uh, couple possession to ch uh, chiefs win to get back to 500 and get back on the winning track and get the conversation back in uh, in a place that we all want it to be. Peter King. Thank you so much. All right, BJ. Have a great weekend.